The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. What's good, y'all? It's your boy, Just Blaze, host of Above the Rim. Subscribe and tune in each week to hear me and a special guest discuss the latest in the NBA, the way you want to hear it, with the topics that you want to hear. Keep it locked. What about Dwayne Wade's red pants? Oh, uh, you, you're talking about uh, the ones you're about to see right here? No, yeah. no, you can't wear those, America. No, you can't wear those. Pants. <laughs> it's just mad that they can't pull it off. You didn't pull it off either, buddy. Oh, wow. You didn't pull that off. Don't, don't think, think so? a, a man can't wear red pants, Ernie. Talk about it. You are now tuned in to Above the Rim. Welcome, welcome, family, to the latest episode of Above the Rim. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Brought to you, as always, by your honorable host, Justin, a.k.a. Just Blaze. Y'all know how I already do. Another special guest here to chop it up with your boy. This week, I got my man, Rich Taylor, entrepreneur, author, and podcast host of the Life of a Gentleman podcast. It's a show that specializes in men's fashion, lifestyle, and business. Rich, thanks for joining me, my brother. Pleasure to have you on. Hey, Justin, thanks for having me, man. I'm glad to be here. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, family, so you can find Above the Rim, as always, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Tune in and anywhere you get your podcast. Make sure you give Above the Rim that five-star review on iTunes to get in contact with me or the show. You can follow me on Twitter, at JustBlaze underscore 513. That's J-U-S-B-L-A-Z-E underscore 513. IG is JustBlaze513. And follow the Above the Rim Facebook page as well. Rich, where can they find you on social media, my brother? Uh, you can follow me at The Life of a Gent. And you can also follow our podcast at Gentleman's Podcasts. Make sure y'all go check that out. Check that out. Um, of course, and if uh, you have any feedback for the show, responses to the questions, call up the line, leave your boy your voicemail on the Talk About It line, and let me know what's on your mind. The number is 908-718-1592. So this episode, switching gears a little bit for the family, I'm talking some NBA fashion with my guy Rich over here. Like I said before, he has the Life of a Gentleman podcast, talks a lot about fashion, a dapper man himself. Uh, we all know about we all know NBA and fashion are synonymous with the culture. So you know, so I'm guessing there's gonna be a lot of feedback on this episode. And uh, Rich, like I said before, is a fashion guru in this game as well. 
and um, it'll be a nice, refreshing perspective on uh, NBA fashion. So, uh, Rich, you have a uh, a brand that you started as well, correct? Yeah, man. I uh, started a brand about five years ago. Uh, it's called Harrison Blake Apparel. Mm-hmm. Uh, named it after my son. And uh, what we do is specialize in neckties, pocket squares, men's accessories. And uh, we got a monthly subscription, too. That's pretty cool. Nice. Uh, so, you know, everybody check that out. I think you'd like it, Justin. Oh, I definitely would. Listen, I'm everyone who knows me, right? I'm one of the dudes who love accessories. I wear I wear rings, I got a little bracelet, you know, watch. I'm a dude uh, with yeah. a lot of accessories with my clothing. I'm one of those kind of pocket squares, all of those. Yup. And people forget how essential accessories are. They complete an outfit. Yeah, man, it brings it to life. If you don't have that, uh, you look real ordinary, real plain, man. But I know uh, you sound like the kind of guy that likes to uh, turn heads when you step in the room and you can't do that without accessories. But exactly. That's definitely what we specialize in, man. <laughs> exactly. You gotta t- you gotta turn a little bit of heads. You always gotta be just and impressed. Yeah, always. man. You got to. Always, always. I, I, I can't be- I can't stress it how much I tell my brothers that. Can't stress it enough for sure. Um. So you know how I start every episode on the lowest of keys, and for this week, on the lowest of keys. You know what I noticed, Rich? What's Jam- that? My man Jamal Crawford. How on earth is he not signed yet? How on earth? Yo, um, I, I'm, I'm actually thinking that's on him. You can't tell me nobody contacted him yet. Uh, there's got to be all kinds of offers on the table. But, I, I mean, I guess he's waiting to pick his spot. That's the only thing I can I mean, think of. I mean, but it's crazy, though. Listen, I know he's 38 years old, but the man can still play. He got you a 10 off, 10 to 12 last year on Minnesota. I think he got you 10 off the bench, but it was a it was an off year for Jamal Crawford. Not the greatest fit for him, basketball wise, with the Minnesota T Wolves and uh, and Tom Thibodeau. But I've heard um, Philadelphia 76ers as a possible suitor, um, and I don't know why a team like New Orleans, teams like Milwaukee, or even yes. big contenders are not going after a player like Jamal Crawford. There's there's a lot of bums on the bottom of the NBA bench. And you can't tell me that Jamal Crawford isn't better than a good 65, 70% of NBA benches. You can't tell me that. Nah, easily. Easily he's better than that. I mean, and just throw him a one year. You know, veterans minimum. You know, yeah, everybody else is getting it. I don't don't get it, but um, I think... The only thing I'm thinking is he's just trying to wait and pick his spot. But, man, I mean, time's almost up, so. But I don't think it's him, though. Have you, I don't know if you've seen him, but he's been writing on Twitter kind of, um, like, like, sh- like showing his eligibility for the NBA. I feel really? like he's trying to reprove man. himself again. He's putting out workout tapes. He has his tournament going on in Seattle where he's showing a lot of tapes of him working out that he, he can still play. He went on another podcast talking about how he would love to be on the 76ers. It would be an opportunity, a dream. And I'm like, wow, you sound like you're showcasing your value right now. I thought he was established as a vet. Yeah, and you know what? He's He's been known to be a good locker room guy. So of course. I don't, know why, I don't know why he's still sitting there. I mean, it really makes no sense. It makes uh, it's, it's puzzling. It's it, puzzling. It man. is. There's a, there's a lot of guys that you don't even know who they are mm-hmm. getting contracts sitting on the end of the bench. 100%. And, and you got a proven guy like him sitting there? Something's wrong with that. Something's wrong with that, man. So NBA teams, you're a little crazy right now. Step it up. Give that man a call. Get Jamal Crawford. And um, so I wanted to go over some uh, listener feedback comments as well from uh, my last two episodes. 
Um, the homie CL, uh, Chris Lehman, sent me some feedback via email on the last few episodes, and I wanted to go through some of them with you, Rich, before we uh, get into the episode. <clears throat> so uh, I'm going to read off part of his emails here. It's, uh, sorry, fe- well, we were talking about how the NBA and the NFL, um, I said that the NBA has now officially taken over the NFL as the most popular sport, in my yes. opinion. So he had some feedback to that, and he kind of disagreed with me. So this is what he said. He said, uh, sorry, fellas, as much as I love the NBA, it has not taken a top spot from the NFL. The NBA has gotten better at being a topic of discussion during their months off. But are they more in touch with what's going on in the world? Absolutely. Last couple of off-seasons for the NBA has been very exciting, while the NFL has been dealing with drama. They have closed the gap for sure, but they don't hold a crown as of yet. So, Rich, I'll start off with you. Do you feel the NBA has taken over popularity-wise over the NFL, or you think the NFL is still on top? Uh, I think it, I think it's taken over. I mean, mm. in, in, in my circles, people I talk with, mm-hmm. we don't even talk NFL. Um, you know, me personally, uh, you know, I don't even watch it. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's nothing for me. Um, but the other thing is, I think the younger generation um, maybe sometimes is a little undervalued when you talk about demographics and, and doing polling and things like that. But I know for sure the teenagers on down they're more interested in the NBA than NFL. So the shift, if it's not already taking place, that, that paradigm shift is about to take yes. real place and be solidified. In in just about five years, uh, NFL is, is definitely going to be number two. Yes, I, I 100% agree. I think, I think even less than five years, man. To me, um, the NBA to me right now already has kind of closed the gap between the NFL in terms of fanfare, in my opinion. And now that it has become a year-round, 24-hour news cycle sport, you just can't stop the growth. And the reason why I think it's more popular because unlike the NFL, the NBA allows its players to showcase their individuality. And the league encourages its athletes to assume roles in in vocal roles in like politics and culture and fashion as well and social activism. So to me, stars drive the NBA as opposed to how teams drive the uh, the NFL, excuse me. And because of that, I think it's a more personable sport and that more people will gravitate to more. As like you said, the youth gravitates to the NBA a lot more because it's social media and that's the world that we live in now. So the NBA to me is more of a culture sport over the NFL now. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, what you said, the players are just way more recognizable. Yes. Um, you know, I think, obviously, the NFL has their challenges. I mean, these guys are in uniform. Their faces are covered up. They're not allowed to show any individuality. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the NBA, you get to know these guys. You see their face. You instantly connect with them. So on and off the court, you're like, hey, that's so-and-so. And, um, yeah, it's just easier to relate to them. Yeah. And it's just it's all around. To me, the entertainment value is better, too. Oh, 100%. The drama factor of the NBA. is <laughs> <laughs> daytime TV, man, I tell you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, uh, it damn sure is. So, uh, Chris, shout out to you for the email, man. Appreciate that. Make sure y'all go check out the Brothers Lame Sports Happy Hour from the fellows over there on the West Coast. And um, so, Rich, so I was listening to your show. The Life of a Gentleman's podcast. And um, you had an episode recently talking about uh, LeBron and his move to the Lakers and about it being a business move and the business aspect of his move because you are a business coach as well. So you had a great opinions on what you felt about 
LeBron's move. So I wanted to ask you, in your opinion, do you feel like it's more LeBron's move to the to LA? LA Braun, as we like to call him. Ball control. As my man LeVar Ball likes to say. Do you think his move to the Lakers is more of a basketball or more of a business move, in your opinion? Man, I think it's uh, 1A, 1B. Uh, definitely business, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody knows uh, his living situation with homes out there. Everybody knows his aspirations and his financial goals and uh, what he wants to do with his media company. So, I mean, that's a no-brainer. That's the place to be. Not to say you couldn't do it in Cleveland, but it, the, the transition is just more natural there in L.A., uh, especially as he's coming to the end of his career, he can kind of wind down, and he's right there, and he's he's already making those connections. Oh yes, uh, he right, is right, right there <laughs> in his backyard. I mean, it, it doesn't really get any better than that. Um, but but also basketball wise, I will say, you know what? Um, he could have went to other teams, um, but the Lakers have such that storied tradition, mm -hmm. and so he, he's probably figuring, man, okay, look, I can set up my business and get everything rolling here from this this you know this is going to be the home base for a while mm -hmm. but at the same time to provide a championship to a downtrodden laker team uh he becomes a folk legend out there in la too he becomes yeah. a hero and so uh that's a place where you know what they might put up a statue of him if he can pull off two or three championships yeah. now whether he can or can't i don't know but uh if he can and I'm sure he's confident in himself that he can do it. So he's looking at uh, setting up that legacy there in L.A. too. For sure, 100%. And it's it's like a it's like a double-edged sword over there with LeBron. I mean, some fans love him coming there. <clears throat> Excuse me. And some fans hate him coming there, mostly Kobe fans. You know, they're being a little hard on LeBron yeah. right now, <laughs> being real hard. <laughs> but um, honestly, for me... I think uh, I think it was a 50-50 split, like in terms of percentages, as mm -hmm. opposed to basketball and the business. Obviously, he knows that coming to L.A. will be better for his brand, just for the simple fact of location and it being a, a easier, it being easier to build businesses in L.A. as you spoke about. But I also feel like basketball actually played more of a factor into it than some people may think it did because it's the challenge. And to me, the challenge of resurrecting an iconic franchise like the Lakers, they haven't been to the playoffs in a couple of years, they had 35 wins last year. And also trusting a franchise to be able to bring in marquee free agents. One of his issues in Cleveland was that they couldn't get anyone to go there. They had yeah. a Paul George deal on the table, they had a bunch of deals on the table, but couldn't seal the deal on any franchise star. We don't have to worry about Magic doing that. We know Magic's gonna go after everybody. So. In turn, his token of appreciation was that four-year deal that he signed as opposed to the normal one-year deals. And um, as far as a business move, he's already getting involved in movies and TV and production with all those uh, all those damn projects he's involved in now. Already, what? Rich. Are you seeing that? Already? Yeah, man. It's incredible. I mean, all right. So do you think he should pump the brakes a little bit? Because he just got there. Man, no, I say go full steam ahead. Oh, full um, steam. <laughs> yeah, full steam, man. You might as well get it. Um, because the thing is, too, look, you brought up magic. Mm -hmm. And that's a good point on both fronts, business and basketball-wise. Mm -hmm. Magic is, is definitely going to be able to lure the free agent. He's going to sure. make signings. But magic, some people forget, man. He's also a brilliant businessman. Of course. And so in business, you always want a mentor always want somebody to show you how to get to that next level 
and, and we got to admit, you know, Magic's at a higher level um, than LeBron in the business field. Yes. But man, he, he's in a position to show him, mentor him. And he, I wouldn't be surprised if down the road they do some deals together. Mm. So how much do you think there's a lot more that LeBron can learn from Magic business wise? I mean, we know Magic is more successful. So I guess that goes without saying because LeBron is already yeah. a global brand on its own. Yes, he is. But you know what? There's something to be said for people who have already uh, been seasoned in business. And, True. And you know what? Sometimes um, as an athlete, people can kind of undervalue you or kind of uh, underestimate you. But with Magic, you can just kind of co-sign and uh, sometimes all you need is an introduction That's true. to the right people, stuff like that. You know mm. what I mean? It just kind of opens them doors right up. That's a great point. Yeah. So, I mean, it can't hurt, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's true. Yeah, I, I would rub shoulders with Magic if I could. <laughs> that's true. So, so would I. <laughs> <laughs> so would I. So would I. So, you know what I was thinking also? So, tell me if I'm a little little crazy thinking about this, but... I was thinking his his partnership with Magic, because to me it's more than basketball. It's a, it's a business partnership with Magic Johnson. I think that LeBron has aspirations of finally or eventually owning the Cleveland Cavaliers. So what I think was, I mean, I'm one of those half conspiracy theorists. So I was thinking about this. LeBron leaves Cleveland, goes to L.A., finishes, finishes out his career the next Let's say instead of the four years that he signed there for, let's say he's plays another five or six years. And those five, in that five year span, the stock for the Cleveland Cavaliers franchise will plummet with LeBron yes. not being there. And with it plummeting, the value of the franchise as a whole will go down. And maybe Dan Gilbert wouldn't be making the same amount of money that he would be making on the franchise. And he'll be taking a loss. And eventually it will push him to sell the team to none other than LeBron when he retires. Wow. Yeah, you know what? The timeline for that is perfect because uh, honestly, everything you said is pretty factual. I mean, I doubt, unless they hit the jackpot somehow with uh, drafting mm -hmm. the next, you know, LeBron-type player, um, they're in a rebuilding mode for yeah. at least five years. Yep. So you're right. Um, I expect seats to be pretty empty. <laughs> um, interest kind of low in Cleveland. I mean, and uh, Dan Gilbert, he's a businessman too, so uh, I don't think he wants to lose money. He might I be know. ready to get out the game. Yeah. Um, and uh, that'd be perfect for LeBron to swoop back in and King Own returns. It? Oh, yeah. I, I, would I would love to see that. I would love to see that. <laughs> um, for sure. So, uh, speaking on the East Coast, my man Rich Taylor's from uh, Michigan. And uh, I know in NBA circles right now, Detroit, the Detroit uh, Pistons are not the uh, hottest topic of conversation uh, yeah. <laughs> out there <laughs> in, uh, in, in, in in NBA circles. I mean, they finished 39 and 43 last year, missed the playoffs, traded for Blake Griffin, uh, fired uh, Stan Van Gundy to wrap up their season. Hopefully uh, some better health this year, a new coaching staff and Dwayne Casey, a fresh start. You know, that should be the theme right now for the Pistons in this upcoming season. So, Rich, I'm going to ask you, so how are you feeling about your Pistons this upcoming season? Optimism? How you feeling? Man, you know what? Every year when it tips off, I'm optimistic. You okay. Know? Um, <laughs> but I'm realistic. I'm not saying, uh, look, <laughs> if we can slide in the playoffs, I'll mm -hmm. be happy. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at seven seeds, somewhere in there. Um, but the problem with the Pistons, man, as you well know, is the injuries. Mm. I mean, we got we got Reggie Jackson. Yes. 
injury prone. Now we traded for Blake Griffin, injury prone. Very. When they play together, though, um, it could be something. But the problem is, you and I both know it's not probably not going to happen. Um, <laughs> one of them is going to be hurt for 20-plus games. Yep. And uh, that's going to disrupt the chemistry. And I don't expect much more than, you know, somewhere between the sixth on the high end mm-hmm. to sneaking in at the eighth seed. Um, but it's it's rebuilding and, and really just waiting for some of these contracts to maybe fall off and just kind of start over. Uh, that would that would be my hopes that they would do. But I don't know. I mean, that was that was optimistic and realistic all in one right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, it would be a big step just to be in the playoffs. So if they made the playoffs, I mean, I think the fans would, would love it. Yeah. Uh, I know I'd appreciate it. Uh, my friends, people that uh, <laughs> we go to the games, uh, yep. we're looking forward to it. Hey, we just want to be in a playoff series. I mean, anything could happen in the East if you get into a playoff series. Exactly. Um, so hey, let's give ourselves a, a fighting chance if everybody's healthy at the end of the year. The thing is, I just can't really, you know, put any confidence that, these guys are going to stay healthy for any period of time. I know. I, I agree. See, when Blake got traded there, um, midseason, I really liked that trade for Detroit. I really did because I, I like Blake Griffin paired with Andre Drummond because that's something that Blake is a, already used to. He's already played with DeAndre Jordan, which is very similar to Andre Drummond. So it wasn't that hard of a transition for Blake Griffin to play with him. Like you said before, Reggie Jackson, really good scoring point guard. But it's hard for him to stay on the floor. Blake Griffin, we know his injury concerns already. But to me, I feel like Detroit has enough talent to sneak into the AFC or sneak into the 7th seed because the East is very weak, as we all know. And you have something to actually hang your hat on in Detroit. And that is inside play, which is two of the biggest guys in the Eastern Conference. You have a new good coach in Dwayne Casey, and he's pretty good with uh, doing well with mediocre players. I'm looking at you, the Toronto Raptors. He's been yeah. making they look good good for years, and they're mediocre. So yeah. I feel like he can do really well with Detroit and uh, Blake Griffin and Drummond. No, I, I really think so. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, Dwayne Casey was, was a pleasant surprise mm-hmm. um, as soon as he became available. Did you like that? Um, you like that? I hype? did like it. Okay. I did like it because I'm thinking, you know what? The guy's a pro. He's he's had success. Mm-hmm. Um, he's used to the East, so we're not bringing in somebody who's not familiar with the competition. Yep. And and honestly, to me, it was a step up from Van Gundy. Van Gundy, I don't think he knew what to do uh, with the staff. I mean, and, and the thing is, I don't feel sorry for him. He created that staff, so oh yeah, hundred um, percent. It was time for it was time for a change. Uh, Stan was stuck in his ways, so uh, I did not cry when he walked out the door. A hundred percent, I agree with you. And as far as uh, Blake goes, um, so I wanted to ask you if, if as a as a Pistons fan, wants to get your pulse on Blake Griffin because there's a there's a lot of differing opinions on Blake. Mm-hmm. Is he a star? Is he a just an all-star? Is he a borderline star? Some people think he's a superstar just because he's box office, but there's diff- There's a difference. So, as a Pistons fan, is Blake Griffin the star that Detroit needs or did that or that Detroit wants? Um, here's the thing. That was the only star Detroit was going to get. Mm. Uh, if they didn't swing for a trade like that, I mean, hey, nobody was coming to Detroit. That is not a destination... Um, and and it's not a team that's on the why, edge of, of, of winning anything. Uh, I mean, it's got a great tradition, really. If you think yeah. about it, yeah, great um, team culture history. 
but but the last few years, handful of years, I mean, maybe five, six years, there's nothing to write at home about. So um, that was the only way we we're going to get somebody of the caliber of Blake Griffin. So I know a lot of people were upset, but I didn't feel we gave up a lot to get him. Yeah. And in return, he is an all-star for sure. I expect to see him if healthy. <laughs> I expect to see him on the All-Star team. I Me, mean, I agree. Um, I, he better be on that All-Star team, no, Rich. Definitely. He better be. He, he will be. If, if healthy, <laughs> he, he will be. He may be a starter. Yeah, he should. If, if, if healthy. If, he, if he's healthy going into the All-Star break, mm-hmm. he may be an All-Star starter. I would love to see that. And, and he's on the cusp of, you know, being a superstar, but it all hinders on the health, man. Yeah. Um, I like his attitude. I watched him real close when he came over. Um, him and Andre, they vibe real good. Yes. It seems like it was um, a shot in the arm of energy. The stadium got uh, more energetic. Yes, the, the those guys, first couple of everybody games. Everybody was engaged. Yes. 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 Um, and, and you know what? I think the guys just kind of, um, I don't want to say they, I don't I don't know the right word, but anyway, they, mm-hmm. they, they let him assume the leadership role. Let's yes. put it like that. Yep. They, they weren't they weren't pushing them to the side saying, you know what? You're coming to Detroit. This is our team. No, they were like, you know what? Blake's lead dog and, and we got his back. Yes. And I, I think I think that was a good sign. Yeah, I like that. And, uh, yeah, they, 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 they put together a couple good games with yeah. them on the they, so the injuries, man. They sure did. And Blake, like you said, he's got to be in to me. He's got to be an all star this year. And in order to do that, he's got to dominate the East in some way, shape, or form. Even if it's just scoring, he's got to do that. I mean, he's only 29 years old. Blake is not 38, 37, how people are acting. He's only 29. He's just been through a lot. He averaged, what, 19, 6-6 last year when he was on Detroit. And he's got to be better than that to be an all-star. All-star numbers. Yeah, he's got to give me at least 23. 23, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 assists. Uh, that that would be lovely. That. I yes. think he can do that. He definitely can. That's not asking a lot. Um, <laughs> let me ask you a question yeah. though, real quick. Okay, we we I think we're in agreement. Uh, Blake can be an all star. Should be an all star. Mm-hmm. Andre has been an all star a few times now. You're looking at this is an argument I've had in Detroit Pistons circles. We mm-hmm. we could potentially have two all stars. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you've seen a team with two all stars not make the playoffs? <sighs> That's a damn good point, Rich. That's a damn good point. With yeah, in there. With, because Drummond <laughs> it should definitely be an all-star. He's yeah. he's the best center in the East. Is there another? Is there a better center in the East? No. Nah, he's the best. Think so. He's the best center in the East. He's he's so, got to so be. So we're talking about two two all-stars. How can we not make the playoffs? <sighs> Wins. It's gotta be healthy. <laughs> gotta be healthy. But you guys need another guard over there. I'm sorry, Reggie Jackson. I like, but he's not enough. Ish Smith is not no, enough we, off the bench. No. Jam- uh, why, why aren't they throwing a bag at Jamal Crawford? We just talked about him. He can't provide score and punch? Man, oh, I... Oh, he's too old. 38? <laughs> hey, if you're the Pistons, you swoop him up so That's quick. That's what I'm saying. Why not? Yeah, this don't make any sense. Yeah, if you're the Pistons, you swoop him up real quick. Well, why um, not? Ish, I like Ish, you know, 15, 20 minutes um, a game. Uh, he's not bad. Uh, no, he's not bad, bad at all. You've got him running your team for half the season. You're relying on him. Oh, my goodness, man. He's <laughs> pulling your hair out watching these games. And, uh, in the shooting guard position also. Terrible. Uh, and the small forward position. Uh, the whole wings. Just uh, the, Yeah, man. they need better wings, period. Period. Yeah, As just, whole. And I, I'm not real confident in... 
Glenn Robinson Jr. Oh, um, Glenn Robinson at third. Yeah, Stanley Johnson is oh, okay. Uh, He's wishy washy. Yeah. If, if, yeah, if we if we can get rid of him, I wouldn't be mad. Um, <laughs> Luke Kennard, yeah, uh, people are hyping him up over here, uh, calling him the next JJ Redick and all this kind of oh, stuff. Oh man, I, I, don't know about, I don't know about all that. Pump the brakes, uh, boy. If you don't like get him, pump the brakes. Um, yeah, I like I like him as a a bench guy. Mm-hmm. Again, he's another ish. Mm-hmm. 15, 20 minutes, just just let somebody rest, but. You can't rely on these guys to get exactly. you buckets. Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. It's gonna be interesting. Interesting season for Detroit and Detroit Pistons, man. We're gonna see, and I'm, I'm gonna check back in with you and uh, root for them to go to the playoffs, man. At least give me eight seed, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, give me. I, I want higher than that, but, I want, but you know, I'll take eight. I'll take eight, but I don't want to face Boston. But, you know. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. That is true. True indeed. And, Anybody uh, else? I'm okay. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Speaking of stars, stars are what drives the NBA. And out of all American sports leagues, I feel like basketball players have the largest social media followings. But I've noticed that many fans who and people who follow the NBA don't completely understand the influence that fashion has in the NBA and that the NBA and fashion, the fashion world has on each other. We know basketball, we know hip hop, we know fashion used to be subcultures, now, but now to me they are the culture. And uh, the fashion prowess of NBA players has made the league more culturally relevant beyond sports into other worlds. <clears throat> you got NBA runways before games. You got the tunnel <laughs> yeah. from the team bus to the locker room. Cats are uh, uh, competing against each other to see who's crushing it the hardest. I mean, a lot of these guys have their own fashion lines, collaborations with brands. They sit in the front row at uh, Fashion Week. So fashion for NBA players nowadays has been on, well, it's been on the forefront for a long time, but it's just more prevalent now, in my opinion. Um, So what's your take on fashion, on the overall fashion game as a whole right now in the NBA, Rich? It's on fire. Uh, everything you said, I mean, I can just, I mean, I can't sum it up any better than that. It's, it's just synonymous with the NBA. Yeah. It goes hand in hand. Uh, it's, this it, NBA players are trendsetters. I mean, period. And and that's what it's all about. And I like it. And I think it's good for the the brand, you know, yep. of NBA. I think it's great for the players off the court. So it's a win-win. I'd like to see it continue, and I, I really think it will. I think this is really the culture yeah. of the NBA now, so I think it's here to stay. Oh, 100%. I, I definitely agree with you. And now a lot of uh, the, the main stars of the NBA, their fashion is what pulls their brand up. This is what's building their brand, basically, the amount of exposure that they're getting because of their fashion. <clears throat> and it's not, it's not always just the stars. It's also... Rotational players are now getting into <laughs> yeah. the fashion game. <laughs> Everybody's in it, Rich. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. You can make a name for yourself as a as a bench player. Exactly. Yeah, just, just with your style, man. Exactly. Really Look can. at Swaggy P. Per prime example. Who cares about Swaggy P, honestly? <laughs> but they care about what he's rocking, though. All the time. Yeah. And that just goes to show what it can do for you. So, I mean, I think I think guys have taken notice of that. And, and they're purposely, like you said, trying to one-up each other. Yep. Uh, definitely trying to stand out and get that crown, you know, as uh, one of the best dressed. For sure. 100% agree. 
And um, so I was reading some articles on fashion in the NBA before uh, before we doing this episode. And a lot of them were saying that basically in the, in the late 1970s, early 1980s, the NBA was losing its popularity because they thought it was quote unquote too black for for, for some back in the days before when uh, Clyde, Fra- Clyde Frazier, Dr. J and those boys were there. And then of course, in the mid 2000s, David Stern, <clears throat> the NBA commissioner of the league at that time, he instituted the dress code to all players, apparently to uh, quote unquote, clean up the image of the league. That's the quote, that's what they used back then to uh, to justify it. And you know, Stern, he, he, he soon issued rules for behavior that prohibited headgear, chains, pendants, sweats, making the NBA basically the first major American sports league to uh, mandate how their athletes dress. And during that time, you know, it was the height of Allen Iverson, hip hop culture, Malice at the Palace, the famous brawl and uh, where Ron Artest and the pace. Wait, yes. you're in Michigan. Oh wait, so what was, what was it like at that time during the brawl? Oh man, I remember. Oh, uh, I, I remember watching that live on TV. Um, Cause that that was a that was a nice rivalry, you yeah, know. Yeah, of course. Detroit, so you know, Jermaine O'Neal, Ben Wallace, and those boys. Oh, that man. was a serious rivalry. Serious, yeah. So I, I was watching that live, and just watching that unfold, man. It'd be one of those moments, you know, that uh, you never forget. Uh, just say, yeah, I, I was there. You know, I wasn't there at the, you know, at the event. But man, just just watching it unfold, it was unbelievable. That was crazy. <laughs> I know that yeah, was crazy. Yeah. It just the post game reaction and yes. Oh man, our play-by-play guys, it just you know our color analyst, everybody breaking it down. That's it, crazy. Was, it was such a big thing. Yeah, man. I think they scratched those videos off YouTube, if I'm not mistaken. I think they did. Did they really? Man? Yeah, because it, it, it's such a black eye for the league and black eye for the NBA that they didn't want it to be shown. Still, but I know there's somebody who's got the footage. I know it. Yeah, yeah. There's nah, no just... no way you can hide that. That was crazy. <laughs> I mean, that was a different era, man. Yeah. Um, something like that. I I don't think that could happen now. I mean, no I guess way. anything anything's possible, but yeah, uh, that's true. But uh, nah. <laughs> you, you just had that right mix, man. You had, you had too many guys. Yeah. Um, they were about it at Ron Artest. Man, they had too yeah. many guys with attitudes, and and they did not like each other, man. That's back true. In, back in was I think that was o three o four somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was. Yeah, that, that was crazy, man. And because of events like that, uh, David Stern put in a dress code and he kind of unintentionally gave the most significant moment in NBA fashion, basically. Because at that time, with the dress code being implemented, it it forced NBA players to care about their pregame attire a lot more. They had to wear suits to the game. And if you're going to rock a suit, you got to rock it right. You got to. Yeah, you know what? It's funny how that that transition took place over time. Because I remember when they first implemented it, and uh, guys were showing up in suits, and it was looking like they came out of J.C. Penney, though. Oh know? yes, them, the, I call them was, Steve Harvey suits. The baggy ones. <laughs> it was horrible. The fashion, the fashion was horrible. I think yes, they were like ducks out of water. And, you know, they didn't really know what to do, and. Uh, but now it's so swagged out, man. These guys are looking like runway models. So, mm-hmm. and, and looking like they're just off the pages of GQ, where when they first flipped the switch and, yeah. and had the dress code, man, everybody just looked awkward, oh, you know? Yes. <laughs> they definitely. <laughs> see, they, I guess they didn't go to it. See, how do you feel about tailored suits? Do you feel like they are necess- necessary tailored suits? Or, because some people are wishy washy on that. 
No, definitely. Um, you got to get your suits tailored. Mm -hmm. um, it, it doesn't have to be a, a custom fit or bespoke suit or something like that. I mean, that's thousands of dollars for the average Joe. Yeah. Um, doesn't have. But but if you're NBA, shoot. Man, I always <laughs> say, you know, if I had that kind of Joe, I'll be tailored up. Oh, you know um, it. You know, all the way. So uh, these guys have no excuse, you know, and, and I'm sure at this point, there's brands that would love to just give them the suit yes. and, ha and have them tag them on social yep. media mm -hmm. and just partnerships and stuff. So right now, it shouldn't be a problem at all for them to get hats, suits, shoes, whatever they want, uh, pretty much for free. I mean, if anybody's listening, holler at me. I'll give you anything you want. I'll be in the NBA, so. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> A hundred, a hundred percent. I, I definitely agree with that. So, so I want to talk a little bit about uh Mount Rushmore of, of NBA fashion and how we feel about uh fashion now and fashion in the decades prior. So first, so I wanted to give uh top three most fashionable players in the NBA currently. So Rich, I'll start off with you. Give me your uh top three most fashionable players in the NBA. Currently? Yeah, um... currently, right now. Yup, currently I would say uh, I'll go with LeBron. Um, very fashionable, mm -hmm. uh, fashion forward, but but also uh, got a little edge. Um, uh, this this one with people may laugh a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, Westbrook, mm -hmm. um, fashionably. I mean, ah, he's way out no, there. No laughing, don't. I mean, he takes chances. Yeah, some people though. feel like it's uh, it's too much. I know. You know? But but you know what he's fa he's so fashion forward that um, in, in high fashion circles yes. he's spot on. Yes. Um, now now me pulling off some of those outfits is not gonna happen. <laughs> I might I might get laughed at. But you know what I don't roll in those circles. Do you so think he I, takes too many chances or the right um, amount or? I think it's perfect for him and mm. for his brand um, because at this point we expect him to take chances. True. And he trend sets too so. Um, when he does something, a lot of people start to follow. So he's got to be there. And then uh, this, the last person I'm going to say uh, right now, he's not with the team. So uh, I would say Dwayne Wade has always been very mm -hmm. classic yes. and uh, almost has an Italian or European vibe, um, which is cool and really fashion forward in GQ circles. But um, that's that's my three for right now. Mm, I feel you. That, I mean, that's a great thing. I, I damn near got the same three. I got a uh, LeBron. I have uh, Russell Westbrook for him uh, taking a lot of chances. And then I have like a like to me it's it's a a TBD I put for number three because I, I do like Wade and Wade is mm -hmm. on a different list. He's on my all time list. So right now I don't want to put him as his current because I feel like he's on. A slightly other level than the NBA. I feel like he's an OG of fashion right now in the NBA. So I can't even group him in with the these current players right now as far as fashion because I think D Wade is on another level. But I for I'll I'll go with a three. I'll go CP three in there. I got I like okay. Melo's fashion in there, yep. and um, also I actually like Tristan Thompson's fashion a little bit. I don't know you if know anyone's been paying yeah, attention no, to him. No, you're right. I did notice in the finals. Um, yeah. yeah his, his style really is on point. Um, can't argue with you there with those guys. Uh, I did have a couple of honorable mentions, too. Mm -hmm. I had uh, I had K-Love. K-Love. Uh, K-Love got some good fashion stuff? Yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah he really does. He actually um, does a, a bit of modeling on the side. Yes, so, I did um, hear that. You're right. Yeah, he he actually it's it's pretty solid. I mean, it's it's pretty classic and traditional, but I mean, you know, he 
I've seen him look like he's ready to um, uh, walk down the runway for uh, Ralph Lauren. <laughs> True. And then, um, my last honorable is a, a young guy, just with, uh, you know, for, for the young ones with the street fashion, mm-hmm. uh, Kuzma, Kyle Kuzma. Oh, Kuz, uh, yes. He's got a lot of swag. Yes. And, uh, you know, just... I like it because it's not too much over mm. the top, um, mm. but it's just enough where he mixes it. And uh, I think he's just got a real good fashion sense. He's getting Hollywood real quick, though. You noticed that, huh? <laughs> yeah, he did, man. One he year, did. rookie year, you yeah, get Hollywood. That's all it takes, man. That's all it takes. <laughs> well, that's going to be LA, interesting. Get baptized, man. So. <laughs> exactly. Uh, 100%. So, all-time top three fashionable players. So, for my three... Well, you know what? You give your top three fa- most fashionable all time, and then I'll all get All time? Yeah, all okay. time. All right. All right, man. I went old school for some of these. So, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't want to leave nobody out, but I'm going to say Walt Clyde Frazier. Mm-hmm. Uh, 70s. Yes. Man, he was looking like super fly. The Godfather. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, would, I would try to pull some of those off right Ooh. now. Some of them looks. Um, well, not not some, some of them, but not not, not that not all. all, not all he has but, like uh, a, a a cow suit. I don't know if you ever seen that. Yeah, no, no, no. He's gotten crazy. He's, yeah, yeah, he's gotten crazy. He's gotten crazy sometimes. Boy, if you uh, don't get Calvin Murphy, you know, with the suits, but uh, a couple little uh, suits were disrespectful. A, a couple, <laughs> just a yeah, couple. They <laughs> yeah, they were. Yeah, but but you know what? Back in the seventies, in his heyday, though, yes, he was shutting it down. Oh, and, uh, for, for sure. I heard all the stories. Legendary him and uh, uh, Joe Namath um, yes. shutting down the club scene in New York. Yeah, seeing the pictures. Uh, it looks like they really did their thing, man. So I got, I had to give it to him, um, just for the timeless. And then uh, moving up a little bit through time, uh, one guy, classy guy ever in the NBA, Dr. J. Mm. Uh, I got him on there. Very yes. classy guy. Even to this day, man, his guy is perfectly tailored. He looks so well put together, and it's just impeccably dressed um so i got him and then um i got lebron man because he's he's really consistent and i, I really have never seen lebron look bummy he just uh like he doesn't always do it it's always yeah. put together yeah he is he's lebron is uh he's he's always put together but every time for every event for every game just even his sweats lebron is put together yeah right right, <laughs> right. even his sweats and some sneakers man he's still it still looks great. I'm like, man, I, I gotta get like this, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. So my top three all time, War Clive, Clive Frazier as well. I think he's just number one. He's he's on the Mount Rushmore reserve spot for him. Yeah, yeah. He put NBA fashion on the map. I feel like is one of the the major pioneers of it. Um, so War Clive Frazier, I got D Wade my top three. Even though D Wade yeah. right now. He's getting a little out of control, even for my taste right now. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Some of them, yeah, yeah, I understand. He, he's I understand. showing a lot of ankles, you know. Yeah. Little, you know, the shorts a little too short, too, too short, too tight. <laughs> yeah. He looks uncomfortable. Yeah, he's showing a little too much thigh for my taste. You get what I'm saying? I, you, you gotta. You, yeah. He takes a little too many chances than I think I'm not willing to take. As far as that, well, also I don't have that kind of money, also. So then I guess there that's why. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. There it is. When you're on yachts and stuff, I guess you could take those kind of chances. In certain circles, you do certain things. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. And um, I'm actually going to go with LeBron, man. I'm going to go with LeBron number three. Like you said before, man, he, he's yeah. just, he's, I got to give LeBron some credit there. I mean, I don't always agree with every choice, but he always puts himself together at all times. Then you got to respect that, man, if he puts himself together in all facets at all times. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of why I had those three for my all time. Yeah, and, and you know that's that was my same. You know, Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, wait a minute, Mount Rushmore got three or four people. Yeah, on. <laughs> I said it. A so uh, look, yeah, look like they got four, right? Yeah, they got four. Yeah, all right. Yep. I'm gonna give you my last guy then mm-hmm. for, for the Mount Rushmore. This guy, he he wasn't a player; he was a coach. Okay, you probably. Well, know I think I know where you're going with this. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, Chuck Daly, Pistons. Ooh, okay. Daddy Rich, Daddy Rich. Okay. Because, uh, man, back in the bad boy era, mm-hmm. that guy was dressing like he was walking out of Wall Street. He was like the Wolf of Wall Street on mm-hmm. the sidelines, <laughs> and uh, he had all the rings and, and the uh, the watches, yes, and the accessories. He had the, the fly glasses, and so any anytime the players name you Daddy Rich, uh, you on that you on that list. Yes, sir. But well, listen, I'm gonna throw you one better, man. A better dressing coach, in my opinion. I'm gonna go Uh-oh. Pat Riley. Pat oh, Riley, man. yes, man, Mr. Right Armani, here. Armani yeah, suits, <laughs> Armani, yes, slicks the Showtime LA. Pat Riley to me was the best dressed coach of all time. Just yeah, on the map. He, he had a lot of yeah. He had ton of style, man. Ton of style, ton of style. So for uh, the worst dresses in NBA history, Ooh, yeah. man, there's a couple of fails that I was thinking about. So I'm gonna give my top three. Worst dresses okay. in NBA history. Number one, I think the worst NBA dresser of all time is Tim Duncan. Of all time. <laughs> yep. yes. Of all time. Mr. The, the painter extraordinaire. He always looks like he was on somebody's farm. He's uh, going to fix something in a, in a, 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 wood, a wood stock, a haystack, whatever the hell it is. Tim Duncan didn't look like he was getting ready to play an NBA game when he was stepping onto the floor. <laughs> Absolutely. At all. And um, I'm going to go with also Rasheed Wallace. Mm. She, to me, I mean, it was straight up hood gear for Sheed. Every game, no matter <laughs> yeah. what it was. And you you can't even be mad at the man for that, but I feel like he just didn't want to make the transition. So I'm going to go with that off of stubbornness. Mm-hmm. And um, Dirk Nowitzki, I think it, mm. it's in my top three worst dresses. Because to me, I have a thing. I don't like... Baggy jeans, man, like Steve Harvey suits. Ah, this, yeah. this Steve Harvey jeans, which are extreme yeah. boot cuts. I just, I can't deal with it. I can't deal with baggy jeans, and those three fellas do it. Yeah, no, you, you, those are good ones. Those are really good ones. Yeah, I, I forgot about Rashid. Even after they implemented that rule, I would, I would scratch my head because you know I was watching the Pistons all yeah. the time. He would have on like a wrinkled button up. Yeah. It's just just enough to say, hey, I'm I'm within the guidelines. <laughs> man, it just looked like, man, he didn't even care. He so, didn't. Yeah, he did not care. Oh man. So top three um, for you. Top three for me, man. I got Tim Duncan as number one. Yes, dude. Got number to. one, uh Tim Duncan with the the pants that I mean you could I saw a post one time and said you could fit a family of four inside of Tim Duncan's pants. <laughs> Seriously, so, uh, man, that was, that was ridiculous. Man. I don't even know where, where did he buy those. I, I've never seen pants that definitely bad, not so. a tailor. No, whole lot of jean material, a lot of denim material to put those pants together for mm-hmm. a seven foot guy. Um, another one, I, I have uh, I have Charles Barkley on there, man. Oh, um, the reason I say that is because even to this day. Uh, he still has. I mean, the guy's got money. Yes. I don't know why he comes on TV with these suits that don't fit him. It's so bad. It, and a lot of times the tie doesn't match, or he's wearing a, a a shirt with no tie, and it just 
stuff just looks horrible. It horrible. Just I don't even know how he can go on TV like that. Somebody <laughs> should talk to him. I agree. Uh, and uh, this this last one for me, man, I'm going to say it. MJ. Michael wow. Jordan, man. Ooh, okay. Man, okay. Whack. Uh, I always, agree. That's a man, nice one. The bagginess, like you said, those suits. Yes. He's still rocking them suits from the early 90s with like eight buttons and uh, the big, big those, spread. Yeah. You know, it's just those it's big just shoulder cold. blades. Yeah, suits. The, I hate oh those. Goodness, those man. shoulder blades. And, <laughs> and the, the pants are so wide. Yes. And, and the, like the gator shoes. It's like, where, where is he finding this stuff? I mean, he's Michael Jordan. It's like so. Terrible. Definitely, uh, definitely one of my worst dressed. Uh, honorable mention for me, Shaq. Yo, like, he was kid. in mine too. He's so bad. Yeah, so bad. It's like, man, you guys, come on, pull it together. You know, you know who my honorable mention is uh, for my worst dresses? Um, Steph Curry, low key. <laughs> low key, Steph. Yeah, he's a I bad can, dresser, man. I can see that. Very, yeah. and, and also Kevin Garnett as well. Kevin Ooh. Garnett. He's very bad. He, he still has that hoodie uh, taped to the top of his bald head. And uh, I don't know. Uh, he, he's kind of in that Rasheed Wallace vein. Yes, though. he is. He is. He is. I could group them all together. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, he doesn't want to change. 100%. And um, so during the finals, during the playoffs this year, you know LeBron has uh, where he bought his team uh, matching Tom Brown suits. Uh, I'm sure you remember that. Yeah. Um, they had those Tom Brown suits and the, the cashmere cardigans, the socks. It was some broke boots. Some glasses and, a, and that forty-one thousand dollar bag he had when he walked out the press conference. So, what were your thoughts for him buying matching suits for his team, and then him trying to pull off the short suits with a pair of shorts? What were your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm gonna go to the short suit first. Okay. <laughs> now uh, he's one of the only people that could have pulled that off. Mm. Um, we actually did a show about it mm-hmm. and, and try to tell guys if you want to try it, try it at your own risk. Please, and, own risk. Uh, and, and also, how you could possibly pull it off um, if you got your suit um, tailored, the shorts tailored for you, but also if if your leg game ain't right, you know your calves yes. and stuff, it's just not gonna work. So. Um, we, we told people, you know, again, try it at your own risk. It worked for him. He pulled it off. And one of the things that helped him pull it off was the bag. It kind of gave it a bit of masculinity mm-hmm. uh, with the big chunky bag. If he would have had like a little man bag, it would have been a fail. Yeah. But since he came with the big boy, um, it worked. 41K. Then, hey, 41K, <laughs> it better work. Better work. And then the, the suits, man, I thought the suits, um, great move. Uh, camaraderie looked great classic look and uh if he would have got me a suit i would have said thanks so Mm -hmm. i'm not mad at the suits Mm -hmm. i'm not mad either i actually like that classic look that he gave a couple of the fellas on the team did not rock it right i'll tell you that right now a couple of them was struggling but i like the idea and i like the camaraderie of it so it was a good idea they just i don't feel like they appreciated it at all uh, there's some guys, you know what? You can lead a horse to water. You yep. know, they probably didn't have belts on, and, and you know, <laughs> stuff like True. that. You know, True. tucked in right. True. Uh, you know, what didn't button it. You know, you you you've got to pay attention to the details. You can make you can make an expensive suit look cheap, which yes. they did some of them, and you can make a cheap suit look great. Yep. And we talk about that a lot on the show too. So it's all how you uh, your posture, the tailoring. Um, the attention to details, and 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 you know what? If you don't, if you don't show that that you feel what you're doing, 
is a win, uh, whatever you're rocking, it's just not going to work. So that's probably why they failed on that. A hundred percent. I definitely agree with you. So best dressed era of NBA fashion, in your opinion, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, uh, or now? Best dressed era, I'm going to say it has to be right now, man. I mean, most most of the people are on board right now. Mm-hmm. People are paying attention to it. Um, and I, I think I think this is really setting the course for the future. Yeah. This, like we said, this is where it's going. And I think it's here to stay. This is the best dressed era right now. We're watching it unfold. Wow, I'm not gonna lie, Rich. I'm 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 in uh I'm surprised you said that. I really thought you was gonna go a little old school, man. I, I like that answer because I agree. I'm going with this era as well and not because of uh like recency bias, but because I think that in this era of fashion is a combination of all the eras in fashion. And to me it's um Nothing that these guys are doing right now or wearing right now are super original and new. I just think they're being a lot more creative now. And I think they're taking bits and pieces from previous eras and cultures and just slapping them all together and creating their own style. And so because of the creativity factor, I'm going with this era, but I still feel like the 70s was definitely a nice dressing era, but I'm gonna go with right now because of the totality of it all and the creativity. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, Rich, so I wanted to ask you, has fashion always been an interest of yours? Yeah, I, I would say, uh, yes, going back to, like, middle school, mm-hmm. uh, when I first got interested in it, uh, that, that was the time, you know, uh, hip-hop was, like, real big. And so a lot of people were getting into that, you know, the style of uh, NWA, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of went left. I was, like, more the R&B type guy, so... I started dressing in that that manner. Um, Boys the Man, Jonasy, you know, yes, all those, those groups back then. And uh, hey, the ladies seemed to like it. And uh, <laughs> it worked for me. I wasn't like the big time uh, man on campus. So um, if, again, if you want to stand out, turn some heads. So uh, that's just what you got to do. For sure. And how did you discover that like fashion was your passion? Was it because of then or you just always knew you wanted to pursue that as a career? You know, I just gravitated towards gotcha. it, and then just just me and a couple friends. I mean, you know, as as we went, got older, started going out and then spending time at clubs. You know, then it was again. You know, we didn't wear the streetwear to the club. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? We we came suited up. We came with the real official gear. You yes. know, the nice shoes, the slacks, and stuff. And so, hey, the response you get from that, it, it makes you want to stay in that lane. So true. Um, <laughs> Yes. The response was heavy. And so uh, (laughs) (laughs) you just kept with it. And then um, starting a business, it's like, hey, do something. I tried a lot of different businesses. But, uh, you know, they always say do something you're good at or something that you really like to do. So that's what I did. And then this one ended up being a winner. Um, I think that's why I just kind of went in that way because um, I had a lot of experience matching stuff up, coming with different ideas. And so accessorizing is my thing. And so it's it's easy for me to keep uh, fresh ideas and keep putting stuff out there that people like. Definitely, me definitely. So before we move on to the crossover crossover segment, I wanted to ask you, so I wanted you to give uh, the fellas who are listening one tip that you would give someone in order to help uh, the versatility in regards to fashion, because that's, that's what I feel like is the main issue with a lot of the fellas and a lot of the youth. Their versatility, they can only dress for one occasion and, mm-hmm. and can't, 
they just can't be versatile. That's my issue. So what I would say to you, what would be one tip or maybe some advice or whatever you could give somebody in regards to their versatility? What can they work on? Uh, well, whatever, you, whatever you're strong in, okay, stick with that. I mean, you're already there. So like you said, if you're not versatile, look at your weakness. And the, the best way to do that, man, Instagram is great because you can follow people and emulate what they're doing and put your own twist on it. Yeah. Um, so, so that's a great way. Now, like, hey, you can watch the NBA guys and see what they're doing because there's somebody that that kind of has your body type or, or your skin tone or whatever, and you can kind of uh, yes. follow in that mold. Um, but the most important thing with fashion is always uh, make sure you take it to the tailor. So, oh, please. <laughs> yeah, go to the tailor. <laughs> You know, because if people think oh, I'm, I got a suit or I got, you know, some nice pants and stuff, even shirts, you buy it off the rack, it's not going to fit you right. So just take it to the tailor and, and that's going to make you look like a million bucks. Yes. I don't care for shorts. Sometimes you got to do that. Just just make the tailor your best friend. And from there, you're good. And you got to make that extra effort, man. Just that one little extra effort goes a long way. Yeah. Uh, and especially if you're outside of your comfort zone, you're like, man, I'm not really the accessory guy. I don't like bracelets, watches, rings, all that. Put some on. I guarantee you get a uh, compliment. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's going to change things. That, like I said, that changed things for me. So all the attention and the compliments, um, I stay geared up. That's why. Yes. I hear that, my brother. Most definitely. <laughs> so, uh, family, now it's time for the crossover. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. All right. Rich, before we get on out of here, you know we gotta do the crossover segment as always. So for my new listeners, I'll be throwing out player comparisons from different eras. My man Rich acts as GM and he tells me who he would take out of the two in their prime if he was building a team. First up, are you taking a prime Steve Francis or a prime Damian Lillard. Now let me give you the career stats. Stevie wow. Franchise. 18 points per game, five rebounds, six assists, one and a half steals per game, 42% from the floor, three-time All-Star, one-time rookie of the year. Damian Lillard, 23 points per game, four rebounds, six assists, 43% from the floor, three-time All-Star. You're building a team, you're taking Prime Stevie franchise, or you taking Damian Lillard? Wow. Um, it's funny you gave me the statistics. Uh, now that changes my my answer in a way. Um, but but I'll just I'll go with I'll give you my gut. Um originally before hearing the stats, I said franchise. Um and you know what? I, I almost still will go with them. I, I'm not a Lillard hater, but I'm not a believer. Um, I, I like I like guys that have a certain toughness about them, mm -hmm. um, um, a tenacity, a fearlessness, and um, I like guys that can kind of be alpha dog and be a leader. I, some of those characteristics I don't see in Lillard. Now maybe you know I don't watch him a ton. Um, but all those things I saw in Steve Francis um, for watching him through college into the NBA, uh, I really liked him as a lead guard. And it surprised me he was only an all-star three times. Yeah. But, um, 
I actually, I think I would go with, with uh, Steve Francis and maybe mm. that's showing my age too, though. But uh, that's my era, so. Not at all. Listen, I agree with you, man. That's one for one. I'm going with Stevie Franchise as well. Listen, uh, I know Damian Lillard's a great scorer. He's probably a better scorer than Stevie Franchise individually. He's a, he's a better shooter, definitely. Handle, I think I'm going to go Stevie Franchise on that. Yeah. And he's yeah. a bigger guard, better athleticism. He's a... I mean, they're both not great defenders, but Stevie was a decent defender, just because he was a bigger guard. And he has that heart, man, like you talked about. Yeah. He has that heart. Stevie Franchise, I know he wasn't what he should have been, because he definitely should have been a lot better. But he was a little stubborn, especially when he got mm-hmm. traded off of, off of Houston. He went to Orlando, then he ended up on the damn Knicks, and his career <laughs> his career went <laughs> down the drain. Yeah. <laughs> it went down the damn drain, but... Stevie Franchise was elite as a shot creator, ball handler. He yeah. could take you to the rack. He could do it all, man. Stevie Franchise. Yeah, finish at the rim. Uh, I love that about him. He was fearless. So that, that's what I want in my guard. Yes. Um, I, don't, I don't like a lot of these new guys. Um, they, they're a little kind of indifferent. I don't know. Um, they just don't have that dog in them. So give me give me Steve Francis. I agree. I agree. Damn. So if you like the dog in somebody, I don't, I don't know how you're going to feel about this next one here. So <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you taking a prime Paul Pierce, the truth, or a prime Paul George right now? So remember, it's just talent-wise, not career yeah. achievements, accomplishments, or whatever. A lot of people think right. that. It's just straight off talent because then that's too easy. So... Building a team, Paul Pierce, career stats, 19 points per game, five rebounds, three assists, one steal, 44% from the floor. Of course, he's a one-time champ, finals MVP, 10-time All-Star. PG-13, 18 points per game, six rebounds, three assists, one steal, 43% from the floor. Five-time All-Star, one-time most improved, one-time all-defensive first team. Building a squad, Rich, taking Paul George, or you taking Paul Pierce, truth. I'm taking Paul Pierce very mm. easily um, because, uh, you know, again, uh, I'm not a big Paul George fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy, he shrinks in a lot of the big moments. I know he tried to call himself uh, Playoff P and all that. <laughs> uh, that was that was a false prophecy, man. That was, Ooh, false prophecy? <laughs> yeah. He, he, to me, he, he, he's a guy... Uh, He's a sidekick. Um, again, I like I like guys that are that are leaders, and I like guys that uh, aren't afraid to mix it up. So if I'm putting together a team, man, my team's gonna be rough and tumble. So mm. I need Paul Pierce. Just to me, he wants the big shot. Where, and I feel he's gonna make it. Mm. Where a lot of times with, with Paul George, I don't know. I mean, he wants it though. He asks he, for it. Yeah, but man, sometimes the shots be coming off hard. Oh yeah, it's, man, it's just uh, he's not he's not there yet. I, I didn't even really believe in him uh, when when the Lakers when when that was going around. Like, mm. hey, Paul George to Lakers, I was mm-hmm. kind of like, nah, let let nah, let's not even do that. Oh, he you wasn't know? feeling I, it. Nah, just let him stay where he is, man. They can, let him be mediocre together. Oh, I hear that. See, with this one here, so I was a little bit indifferent with this because. If I'm building the team, I am taking Paul Pierce, right? Out of the two. But when you look at the talent, though, let's say, for instance, Paul Pierce is a better leader. He's probably, he's definitely a better player overall than Paul George. But on the other side of the ball, 
Paul George is a better defender than Paul Pierce ever was. He is. He is. Yeah. And he, he's, Not even close. Yeah, he's a better defender to me. He has better handle. To me, he's... I feel like they're about even shooting-wise. shooting, shooting wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and But talent, though, if you're taking a modern-day NBA player, Paul George fits the bill a lot better than Paul Pierce. He was always slow. Always yeah, he, had the he, little he pivot. He didn't have the athleticism. Not at all, but he found a way to score, and he did score more points than Paul George. But if I'm building a team, I'm going to take Paul Pierce. But to me, it's not as easily as it was for you. I, I actually really like Paul George. I like his game, but like you said, he doesn't have the heart that I need yeah. him to have. Why, nah. though? Have it. So it, it. It's a lot. A lot of these guys these days don't have it. Um... I'm just not a big Paul George fan. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not, I, I watched him play because, I mean, he was in the East. We played him a lot. He didn't wow me. I mean, playing against the Pistons, he couldn't. Yeah. I mean, sometimes he lit him up, but other times it's like you forget he's he's on the floor. I mean, when, when you're a star, I should know you're there. You know, I actually should be tuning in to watch you. I shouldn't forget you're on the floor. So yeah. that's, that's kind of my thing. Yeah, he does go to sleep at times on the floor. I'm not going to lie. He does. Yeah. He does. Yeah, yeah. He, he definitely does, man, for sure. Um, yeah, so I appreciate you joining me on the crossover segment, my man, Rich. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, so uh, before we get on out of here, so uh, tell the people about your uh, your brand and where can they find the uh, Life of a Gentleman's podcast and uh, tell them to tune in. All right, thanks a lot. Yeah, you guys, check out my brand. It's called Harrison Blake Apparel. Again, the featured item is a monthly subscription. You get one tie plus four matching accessories yeah. for only $25 a month. So that's that's a great way to check it out. And it's HarrisonBlakeApparel.com. And we're on Instagram at WearLapelPins. And then myself personally, um, just get in touch with me at Gentleman's Podcast. And we chop it up. We talk about fashion, business, lifestyle. Yes, sir. Kind of all things for guys. And, uh, man, but it's been a pleasure talking sports because it's really uh nba is really a passion of mine and uh this was a breath of fresh air to do a podcast about all about basketball man. so thank you for having me. oh no problem my brother i appreciate you coming on man i appreciate you joining me for sure i appreciate you giving your uh your uh uh your refreshing perspective on fashion and a, a lot of these brothers gotta step it up but we gave some kudos this episode we gave some kudos yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, we sure did. So, Rich, man, I, I appreciate you joining me, man. Wait, you was about to say something? No, I said, yeah, we gave kudos and, and we kept it real when uh, those that failed, you know. Oh, yeah. They, they know who they are. They, so. <laughs> For damn sure. Tim Duncan, step it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> Step it up, man, for sure, for sure. But, Rich, uh, thanks again for joining me, man, and I appreciate you stepping on above the rib, man. I appreciate it. Had a great time, Justin, man. Wishing you the best on the show, and I will be listening, bro. And uh, it's right around the corner, preseason. Yes, sir, it is. And you know I'm hype. I'm hype. So uh, definitely midseason, I'm going to get you on again. We're going to get a... Uh, 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 rechecking on them Detroit Pistons to see how my man Blake is doing, man. Oh, two all stars, <laughs> two all stars, baby. <laughs> for sure, right. for sure. Good. Yes, sir. So my man Rich, appreciate you, my brother. Take it easy, man. For all sure. Right. Take care. Yeah. So that's above the rim, episode sixty-five, and we out.
This is what Flo from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more pain. Yeah, even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states.